Good morning, Grace. Isn't it better to have an actual worship leader up here for once, right? <laughs> Golly, telling everybody, I'm so glad I don't have to do that right now. Scripture reading today is in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we will begin in verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, <laughs> the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside uh, the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silenced before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this day you've given us. We thank you for... Um, a new day of opportunity, a new day to be able to worship you, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would be a part of this service that's going on today. Lord, help us to focus on you as we bring up some of our brothers in Christ who are, are going to be showcasing what you have done for them, Lord, in their lives. Lord, the movement that you have put on their hearts. Lord, I ask that it would inspire each and every one of us here. Lord, help us to be attentive to what the Holy Spirit would even have to say to us. As we sit here, let us realize that we are also a part of this service, Lord. This isn't just baptism service. This is a worship service for you, Lord, and what you have done. Lord, I pray that uh, we would be attuned to you today. Lord, that you would bless us this day and that we may rejoice in the celebration of worshiping you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, son, for recognizing the fact that I can lead a song. Even though I had a elongation of introduction to the song. Our passage this morning has in it some very interesting information. But just like any other biblical passage, information without application 
becomes nothing more than just vain words. What's interesting in this particular passage is the detail of an individual who Philip met. Not only does it highlight where he is from, what he does, what he's reading, but it highlights something that there are few passages in the scriptures that highlight the same thing. In Matthew chapter 3, there is recorded for us a very detailed factor of our Savior Jesus Christ being baptized. When you can also go to Acts chapter 10, it is there that Cornelius, the Roman centurion who is in guard and of control of great numbers of individuals, is baptized by Peter. Later on in the book of Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer, it says, he and his whole family were baptized after the wonderful miracle at midnight when Paul and Silas were released from prison. And then the last one that is highlighted is in Acts chapter 19, where the very disciples of John the Baptist were also baptized. Three of them out of the five don't give us much information. It just mentions the fact that they were baptized. Matthew 3 and Acts chapter 8 go into deep detail. But you see, the difference even between those two is the fact that Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, sees his need of a savior. And then he is baptized after that. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is not in need of a savior. His baptism was not for the remission of sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. No, his baptism was for the fact of identifying himself with the ones for whom he came to save. Detailed in their fashion, but totally different in their mandate. Uh, this morning, I want to focus on Acts chapter 8. Uh, are you still there? Because we're introduced to an individual by the name of Philip. Now, to clarify for you, this is not the apostle. This is not the disciple Philip. This particular Philip, when you go back to Acts chapter 6, was chosen as one of the first deacons, if you will, of the early church. Stephen is listed first, and then Philip. Now, from Acts chapter 6 to Acts chapter 8... We're also introduced to a very conniving and very dangerous individual by the name of Saul. And because of Saul's pre, if you will, pre-Christ ministry, he was about persecuting, he was about trying to eradicate individuals who were followers of the way. 
believer people from the first church. And he stirred Jerusalem so much so that Philip left town. And he found himself in chapter 8 in the city of Samaria. Now, lest you forget, sometimes God has to institute a stirring in order to accomplish his will. Some of you have experienced that in your own life. When things didn't seem to be too comfortable, all of a sudden at the end of it, you recognize that God was working and he was moving you to the place that he wanted you to be. Remember, as Jesus in Acts chapter 1 made mention of the fact that they were to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the earth. It was a command. But when Jesus left off of Mount Olives, when he was transcended into glory, everyone got comfortable in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches. And over 5,000 individuals responded to his message. And it says, and they were baptized into the church. But they got comfortable because they figure, as the angel said to the disciples, this same Jesus that you've seen taken from you is going to come in like manner. And they figured he's coming right back. And so they got comfortable in Jerusalem, let me ask you, how comfortable are you in your faith? Don't get too comfortable. Because God stirs up things. And so when persecution came, people left Jerusalem to go literally to the places that they wanted him to go in the first place. Philip finds himself in Samaria. In chapter 8, first few verses, you'll see where Saul is at his work, bringing, if you will, persecution and trying to engage and, and imprison and even kill individuals who were followers of Jesus Christ. Then Philip is introduced in verse 5. He's in Samaria and he begins to preach. And by the end of verse, if you will, verse 13, it says the whole city was amazed. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing in Herndon, Pennsylvania? Or wherever you're from. Wouldn't it be amazing if the church would become so engaged in the will of God by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that all of a sudden the whole town comes to know him. It was that exciting that Pete and John, they left Jerusalem and they came to Samaria. They had to see for themselves. And while they were in Samaria, Philip was called away. It says in verse 26, an angel of the Lord. 
This morning, I want to speak to you concerning three issues that I see in this text. The issue of why or what prevents me from being baptized. Number one, there needs to be a messenger. Number two, there needs to be a message. And number three, there needs to be the method or the means. Well, let's take these one at a time, shall we? As we plow through this particular passage. I, I promise for the last four weeks, I've, I've reserved a lot of energy. Do you feel comfortable right now? I'm about to stir you up. The messenger. It's interesting that our passage begins with the word an angel. An angel spoke to Philip. The word angel in of itself means messenger. God used angels throughout all of the records of the scriptures. He used them to bring messages from the very throne of God to people of God in order to move them to the will of God. The messenger, this angel, said to Philip, get up, leave Samaria. Whoa, wait, 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 wait a minute, angel, wait a minute. I got a whole city that has just committed themselves to you. I mean, we didn't even put up a tent or nothing. We had revival. We had people coming to Jesus. You want me to leave this? Yeah, in fact, the angel said, I'm going to send you on a desert road. <laughs> Where? All he knows is that the road that he's talked about led from Jerusalem. Samaria is up here. Jerusalem's here. So Philip had to leave Samaria, come to Jerusalem to get on this desert road that leads from Jerusalem down to Gaza, which eventually takes you to Egypt. It runs right along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's well-traveled, Philip. Just go. For what reason? Just go. Go. What am I supposed to do? Just go. Have you ever found your believer life somewhat like that? Oh, it's near on 10 years ago that I asked the question, where's Herndon? <laughs> oh, it's, it's near Sunbury. Big deal! <laughs> where's Sunbury? North of Harrisburg. So's New York State. <laughs> Some guy, sometimes God doesn't give us all the information at the beginning. Have you ever found that out in your own Christian life? You don't get it all in one shot. Because there are times that the less information you got will develop the faith that God wants you to have. He wants you to pursue that. The angel said to Philip, get on the desert road and head south. 
here we see the next messenger, Philip. Didn't know where he was going. Didn't need to know what he was doing. He just went. We're not told exactly where Philip met this individual. But when he got close, he heard a couple of things. The first thing he heard was this eunuch reading out loud. That's what they did back then. I find out in my own office once in a while, I wonder if Diane and Pastor Steve will wonder what's going on in my office. But there are some passages, some studies that I have to read out loud in order for my eyes and my ears to see and hear the exact same thing. In order that my finite brain could somehow, some way, capture the thought and the premise of what is being said. This Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. And as he's reading out loud, Philip hears it, but then he hears something else. The Holy Spirit said, stop. Don't go any further. Go over to that guy. Now, you, you got to understand a little bit about the faith of Philip. He just left a whole city revival. And God's bringing him to one person. What you need to realize is that one person is a fulfillment of prophecy that even Isaiah wrote about in chapter 56, verses 4 and 5. Turn there. Isaiah chapter 56, verses 4 and 5. Excuse me. This is amazing. Isaiah chapter 56. For the Lord says this, verse 4. For the Lord says this. For the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant... I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name. A eunuch. A eunuch is an individual who can no longer find himself to be able to have children. But he has a position. He's in charge of the finances of Candace, who is the 
queen mother in Egypt. This is not some lowly individual. This is an individual that would not have even traveled by himself. He would have had an entourage. He would not have been driving his own chariot. He was on the road going back home because he had first been in Jerusalem to do what, people? To worship. He knew about God. Now he's going to meet him. I wonder how many people Crowd in the churches across this nation, churches that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, are they there just to know about him? Or do they really want to know who he is? The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go. Philip asks him a question. Do you know what you're reading? Do you have an understanding of what it is that you are ingesting through your eyes into your brain and to your heart? Now you've got to understand something too, dear people. Is this man had to have a high standard in society for him to have a copy of the scriptures. Not everybody had that. You couldn't go to the downtown bookstore in Jerusalem and buy a copy of the scriptures. It wasn't there. You couldn't get KJV, NASB, New King James Version, whatever he reads from, I got no clue. <laughs> English Standard Version, Nearly Inspired Version, NIV. It wasn't there. This man had a copy of the scriptures. Which leads me to this is that according to Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. That whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord, what everybody shall be saved. God always makes his word available by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to work into the hearts of individuals to draw them to believe. The message is wonderful. We had the messenger. Now the message. 
The message is simply this. The eunuch says, is he talking about himself or somebody else? Can you imagine Philip just saying now, thank you, Jesus, for sending me here. This is a wonderful setup. This man is ready for the picking. He's ready to know who this passage is about. And so the eunuch invites Philip to go for a ride. And there Philip begins in that passage to fill in the spaces concerning Jesus Christ and what he did. They're traveling along. And basically, we know what the message is. The Apostle Paul writes for us in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 3, down through verse 5, when he says, the gospel by which you are saved is this. You ready? Mark this down. That Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Was buried. Rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then was seen of many. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the message. That all of a sudden... A light comes on in this Ethiopian eunuch's head and heart. And he says, wow. Maybe he didn't say it quite like that. Let me just back up a little bit. Wow! Are you kidding me? Jesus did that for me? And Philip, in his deep theological voice, would have said, yep, that's what he did. I don't know where all of you are here this morning. Some of you I know very well. But are you hungering, searching, like this Ethiopian, to find answers? To eternal life. Let me give to you what I believe Philip gave to him. That all you have to do is believe. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John says, these things I've written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Believe. I know that to be true because as they're going along, the passage says, this man sees water. Now we're to, if you will, the means or the method. 
He, he asked uh, Philip, what would prevent me from being baptized? Same question I posed to you just about 30 minutes ago. What, what would prevent me from being baptized? Now, some of you might have a mark next to verse 37. In my text that I have, 37 isn't even listed. It goes 36 to 38. But 37 is down in my margin, and it reads something like this. It says, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The Ethiopian answered, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Philip, in his next deep theological voice, said, Okay, let's do it. It says they went down into the water. Philip baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, it says the Spirit of God swooped Philip away. Now, if I may quote one individual, he doesn't realize, he doesn't understand if this is a miracle. He says, I don't like to input miracles in places that miracles aren't. He says, at the same time, I will not deny where miracles are. I'll let you wrestle with this. I don't know what happened to Philip. No, the USS Enterprise did not beam him up. I, I don't know. All it says is that Philip, by the Holy Spirit, was taken away. And a eunuch didn't see him anymore. But the eunuch went away rejoicing. Do you think he was quiet? No. I doubt he was. You see, in this passage, God had instituted the last two parts of his great commission. Samaria and uttermost parts of the earth. But baptism, what is it all about? What would prevent me from being baptized? Well, you need to have a messenger. Someone to clarify the scriptures for you. So that you can understand the message. So that then you'll know the method or means. Baptism itself, in its word, means simply this. It is an outward presentation or expression of an inward change. In other words, for an individual 
to be baptized in Jesus Christ, by the name of Jesus Christ, by the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in that, that person needs to know the one for whom he's being baptized into. That's why we don't here at Grace Community Church, and I'm not bemoaning any other church, but that's why here at Grace Community Church, we don't baptize babies. They have no idea of who Jesus Christ is. And until an individual gets to that age where they recognize what Jesus Christ has done for them and they place their faith and trust and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, now we can do some business. That particular age it, is various in a lot of situations. I didn't get baptized until I was 24. So I had no idea who Jesus was. Oh, I played the game. I grew up in a Bible church in upstate New York where if 50 people showed up, we thought it was worldwide repentance. I taught Sunday school teenagers. I even led the youth group for a while. I had everybody. I even had my wife fooled so she'd marry me. <laughs> but there came that day that God sent me a messenger who had a message that all of a sudden, I had to partake of the method. Baptism has with it a, if you will, a way of showing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. No, Cole and TJ, I'm not holding you under the water for three days. But it is, if you will, an evidence of your association with Jesus Christ. As Paul explains for us in Romans chapter 6, we are identified with Jesus Christ. And baptism is about declaring publicly that I am about, or an individual is about to begin a journey known as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way, for I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me put that in our everyday terminology. Paul said, I no longer call the shots for my life. I'm dead. It's Christ who calls me. And the reason we do the method of putting individuals under the water is because of two places. 
Matthew chapter 3, when John baptized Jesus, it says when Jesus came up out of the water, the dove and the voice spoke. Well, the dove didn't speak. He, he flew and landed on Jesus. Here we have the exact same terminology. When Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch came up out of the water. The terminology here does not mean that they walked up back up the bank. No, it means that they were in the water. And that's why we baptize with a deep enough pool in order to get people underneath the water. What's interesting, too, is the word baptism in ancient times had a meaning of taking pure white cloth and baptizing it, placing it into a different colored dye in order that the white cloth took on the characteristics of the color for which it was immersed. Oh, you know where I'm going with this. When an individual is baptized into Jesus Christ, now they are claiming, I'm about to take on the characteristics of the one who saved me. That doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. I have not yet reached that plateau. Has any one of you reached that plateau yet? I didn't think so. But every day, we work toward that goal. But it's also, if you will, Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when, it's, when he says, for we have been baptized into the family of God by the Holy Spirit placed into. That's what it means. Not only is it an identification, but now it becomes an association with Jesus Christ and the church. Oh, what a great day. What a wonderful way to introduce the most holy of all celebrations the death, burial, and resurrection is coming in a couple weeks. But before that, I must tell you, one of our candidates is celebrating his birthday today. He'll never forget the day he was baptized. Before we have the candidates go and get ready for baptism, can we sing happy birthday to TJ? Now that his face is completely red, <laughs> let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear TJ. Happy birthday to you. Bless the Lord. TJ, Cole, let's go get ready. Okay? Amen.